everyone, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. I'm here with uh, Brian Montgomery. Brian, how's it going? Man, it's going good. Thank you. Thank you for having us, John. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, sporting a beard, as I said last time we we (laughs) did have a beard. (laughs) So uh, uh, looking good. Um, Listen, those who listen to the podcast uh, consistently know that Brian joined us. Um, I cannot remember the the episode uh, number, uh, but we uh, talked about something very sobering. Um, those who know Brian's story know that uh, his son Walker uh, lost his life to a trend that was taking place on Instagram, referred to as extortion, and that has just continued to be something that um, many families have been impacted by. And um, Brian uh, was so in, encouraged by just um, your courage uh, to to talk about something that's just so difficult and trying to raise awareness uh, for other families. And, um, you know, since that, that podcast aired, I've, I've heard from numerous people about how it's blessed their families, about how uh, your testimony has encouraged them. And um, I've been encouraged just um, from that, that, that we've had a friendship uh, through it, that, that you and I have been able to continue to stay connected, that we've been able to meet a few times, share a lunch together, um, a couple lunches, and and just continue to, to keep up. And and I know, uh, as I've heard from people, just curious about, you know, how you're doing. And so um, as we've swapped texts and emails, um, I thought it'd be great to, to have you come back on and, and give us a little bit of an update. Um, so how about just before we get into to other things, um, just update us on your family. Tell us how you're doing and uh, how how your family is doing. Yeah, John. Thanks. Thanks again for having me. And and you know, um, it's really interesting. Over the past, I'm gonna say it's gonna be about a year ago, maybe a little a little bit less than a year ago that I was on the podcast. You were the first. You were the first podcast I did after we learned um, about what happened to Walker you know, why he was, why he uh, took his own life and, and the circumstances around that. And, uh, man, I just thank you. I think, uh, the listeners, I, I, I mean, I just, you look around the world, truly it's around the world, the people that have reached out to us in support, um, never would have dreamed it. I don't think we could have made it without it. I think that it's, it's brought a, um, you know, these friendships and relationships have brought a, uh, a meaning, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, it's hard to even think that that's, that that's realistic, that the loss of our son could end in some uh, way of meeting other people's needs, but that's what's happened and it's fostered some phenomenal friendships. Yours, one of them, uh, you know, and, and so thank you for that. And, and just, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, I don't know, it seems like and we'll get into some of the other details of, our lives, but over the past year, and we've done numerous, I mean, I don't know, I'm going to come close to saying close to probably a hundred speaking events in total, maybe more than that. Um, just people want to hear the story of what happened and, and to, to, you know, for us to tell, tell the story of who Walker was and what happened to Walker and, and shed some light on his parents, how we deal with tech. And so I'd say our family, you know, um, 
I think I think we're okay. You know, it, it 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 these. I mean, Courtney and I talk all the time about it, but it seems like some days are like, man, I'm really struggling today, and some days are, um, you know, are okay. And mm-hmm. um, and so I think that, of course, you know this. Our faith is what gives us that ability. I've seen um, I've seen Courtney um, grow over the last year. I've grown over the last year, grown in, in our in our uh, relationship with Christ um, in ways we didn't know that we could. And I think that's just biblical. I mean, you see that when you're counting on, you have to have, it's almost like breath in your lungs, when you have to have that uh, to survive, you, you cling to him so much tighter. And um, uh, my daughter, Caroline, she is, uh, she's grown probably the most in the past year. You know, she's really uh, stepped into understanding and seeing what God can do with tragedy and seeing even though it's difficult and how hard it is, how much people um, are affected. And that's been, it's been extremely encouraging. Um, You know, Bennett is uh, Walker's little brother. You know, he's, he's growing up, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. You know, he's, he's been forced to grow up in a lot of ways. You know, he went from being a, you know, a 13 year, 12, 13 year old little boy to losing his brother and having to face some really difficult uh, situations over the course of the past year. Of course, he and I have gotten a lot closer because, you know, time was, as far as, you know, guy time, our time was, my time was divided between Walker and Bennett and mm-hmm. now it's just me and Bennett. So it's, it's just different. And, uh, lots of little, little small details like that in our family have changed in the last year. And, um, Sarah, she's, uh, she's still, she's 12. She's still pretty young. Um, but, you know, she, you know she's, um, she's coming into her own. She's starting to, starting to step into, um, you know, that, that stage in life where they, um, growing into a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, everybody's okay. You know, we're, we're, um, I would, I would say that our faith is continues to be what keeps, keeps us, um, where we need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and I know holidays can always be tough. Um, we lose loved ones and we've you know recently gone through thanksgiving and, and christmas um how how was your family during those times um just maybe talk to us a little bit about that yeah we i mean i'll be honest we tried to we try to maintain some sense of you know I, I don't think christmas i don't think the holiday season will ever be what it used to be you know there's I, i'll speak for myself you know we lost Walker on December the 1st, which was the week after Thanksgiving. So coming through the week of Thanksgiving, uh, your memories are, well, a year ago, Walker was here, you know, all the things that were happening that week and all the, I mean, cause but everything in those days and weeks leading up to Walker's death become, they just come under a microscope. So everything is, you hyper-focus on small details that you wouldn't ordinarily. And, um, so I think we all had that in a way through through those whether we're talking about Thanksgiving uh actually the the year date after Walker passed away um you know going into Christmas you know there's there were so many emotions a year ago going into Christmas um having lost Walker and just I mean our world was upside down and um at the same time realizing that um we've got to, we've, we've got to get to a place where that's not our, 
our focus 24-7. And uh, not, not a question of whether or not Walker's not on our minds, but he wouldn't want us, you know, being sad all the time. He would want us to celebrate what Christmas was about. So we really, you know, I thought a lot about it and we talked some about it and tried to keep try to keep our Christmas traditions as normal as possible. Uh, but just to think through what kind of celebration, you know, there was in heaven, you know, at the birth of Christ, you know, and um, what kind of Christmas Walker was having compared to us. And, mm. um, you know, try to really, you know, something that I, and, and it's interesting, I had, um, I had really done a pretty in-depth study on heaven prior to ever losing Walker. This was probably been two years prior to any of this. And, um, and when you start to learn about the details of what heaven is really going to be like, what we understand it, I don't think we can ever truly understand it, but um, it's it's going to be something that we can hardly imagine. Um, I don't think we can imagine it, but to put it into some perspective of, um, I mean, the original intent of God was a world without hurt, without pain, without sin, without any of these difficulties, um, but at the same time, a true physical place where we see one another, we recognize one another, and we get to worship Christ um, in a way that we can't imagine here. So, all of that—that's a reality. That's a—that's 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 a truth mm-hmm. that we can embrace. That truth, or we can kind of, you know, think about it as floating on clouds. And so, um, that that time—I mean, I, that's where my mind went a lot—is um, what's Walker up to? What what is he doing? What what are they doing today? You know, and um, and at the same time realizing that. Uh, our family, um, we were still together, you know, we're, we're still together. And so we love each other and, and just enjoying that time together. Mm. Well, um, definitely. I mean, as scripture tells us to grieve with hope, um, your, your testimony sounds just like that. Um, yeah. there's grief and there's hope and, um, yeah, just the, the promise we have of the, the new heavens and the new earth, um, that this life isn't all that there is. And, um, thank you for, for pointing us to that. Um, and, you know, as you and I have uh, continued to stay connected, um, I, I know there, there's another update and, um, you know, it's uh, so often as, uh, followers of Christ in this broken world, we can just, shake our heads and say, God, what, what are you up to? And, uh, uh, yeah, you have something else to share. That's just one of those, um, that, that caused me to have that thought. Yeah. We, um, so if I go back, you know, we lost Walker, uh, December the 1st of 22, um, January of 22, I was, um, diagnosed with a stage one colon cancer. And, um, many people, if you're aware, you know, about, you know, have any awareness of colon cancer? Stage one is typically, uh, you know, a tumor they remove out of your colon. That's that's you know, many times it's precancerous, but in this case it, it it contained cancer, and um, so we went and had surgery, had that section of my colon removed, um, everything was clear in my lymph nodes and in my colon. Elsewhere, um, everything was fine. Um, According to the doctors, they said everything you're good. You know, at this point, typically we see with a stage one where it's no no other um, locations, um, you're ninety five six whatever percent cure rate. You'll never you'll never have to deal with this again. You're done. 
So uh, we were happy about that, caught it in time. And um, then we lost Walker in December. Uh, of course, we're doing six-month checkups. Uh, fast forward this past September, went back and uh, had an elevated CEA level. Um, and they were like, hey, they called me back. I mean, we went, that doctor, even when we went to see him to begin with, he said, you know, this is, you're, you're done with this. It's so, so remote chance of this coming back. Uh, we're not worried about it. Did our blood work, um, got a call three days later, said, hey, there's some things we need to look at. We need to get you in for a PET scan. Um, and turns out I had metastasis to my liver, which puts it at stage four colon cancer. Um, if you look up that on the internet, it's uh, that's, that's not a good prognosis. It um, involves chemotherapy, um, surgery, and then more chemo. And... Um, I mean, just being honest, the survival rate's not great, um, but that's where we're at. And, you know, it's to your point, God, what are you up to? You know, and um, I mean, from the beginning, I mean, you know, it's a, um, a lot of questions on how God operates in our lives and, and, you know, why. I mean, a lot of these things, you know, the, a person that don't have an eternal perspective could say, you know, look, you just made a series of bad decisions, you know, I mean, this, and, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I didn't make a series of bad decisions, but we make, we make decisions every day that some of them could end in catastrophe and many times they don't. And so I have to look and see those circumstances and say, you know what, um, God's doing something here special and um so we're i guess to, to finish updating you we've gone through um four treatments of chemo pre-surgery um coming up on uh, going back to indy anderson um for liver surgery they're going to remove a significant portion of my liver to take those tumors out um looks like the response to the chemo was was good that those levels decreased over that time period we'll have a better understanding when we get out to md anderson to um, do some more tests pre-surgery but um, we'll have surgery and then um, as soon as i recuperate from surgery i'll go on another uh, take another eight treatments of chemo uh, through spring and early summer so yeah i mean i, I you know it's 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 a lot for our family to digest. Um, it's a lot for us to digest. And I think that, and we knew that through, you know, we were talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. We found that out in September. Um, and, um, you know, I can't, I can't view it any other way than, than whether it's, you know, whether it's through these kind of conversations we're having or whether it's through, other people that are inspired to do more for Christ in the long long run, whether it's my kids, whether it's your kids, whether it's other people listening to this message, maybe I'm long gone and in heaven right there with Walker and, and hanging out or whether I'm here for another, you know, 40 years. Uh, God has the answer to that. I don't. Um, but I have to have faith. I have to trust. And uh, if you, if you don't have an eternal perspective, and I think that's, that's really where a lot of this boils down to is, and I see it regularly with people I talk to, you know, I mean, it, it, I don't know how without eternal an eternal perspective, I don't see how you navigate these kinds of difficulties. I can't, I couldn't, it'd be impossible. Uh, Cause then you're left to just the circumstances of life and what can I get out of life in the amount of time that I have, whether that's a hundred years, 50 years or 
whatever. Um, and it just doesn't seem to be, um, it doesn't seem to be the most profitable way to live if you really boil it down. Um, so we're taking that opportunity to, to uh, serve uh, in the best way we can. And uh, we constantly get people saying, hey, what can we do? Is there anything we can do? I mean, I think that anybody from the outside looking in sees our lives and it, and it causes fear causes anxiety it's it's um you know it's how can i not be the montgomery's <laughs> and you know, i told someone the other day i'm uh, you know i'm tired of being the one on the prayer list but that's <laughs> that's that's where we're at you know i mean it's it's and I, i'm not saying i don't i'm certainly not saying i don't want people put us on the prayer list i do we've got to have that mm-hmm. you and i talking you know offline a minute ago about you know privacy and those types of things and I guess what I would, and that's what I told you a while ago, is that you know we need, man, I need, I need the troops, I need them to rally, I need them to rally around us in prayer, because uh, that's the only way that that this that this has a positive outcome is through Christ and His power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amen, for sure. And I, I can just remember when you when you sent me the email and first told me um, about your cancer, uh, I just, I just stared at the screen, and I was thinking. I had to be misreading that and reread it. And you and I had a, a phone call after that. And yeah, it's just, it's just, again, what we are finite, God is infinite and his thoughts, his ways are beyond us. And, um, as you continue to just point back to faith that, um, our circumstances do not dictate um, his faithfulness and his steadfast love for his children. And it can cause us to be confused. And I think, I don't think I know God is um, patient beyond measure and he's patient with us. He understands we don't, we don't get it and we don't understand. But um, you know, the the first time you came on and you um, shared about Walker, uh, I told our listeners to, to pray for you and your family. And I said to pause this podcast and pray. And so anyone who's listening to this right now, I want to encourage you to do the same. Uh, I want you to pause and to pray right now uh, for Brian, for his family, um, specifically for this cancer and asking God to remove it, um, knowing that his will might be otherwise and his will is always perfect, but asking uh, that you pray um, for Brian to be healed and for his family to be sustained in the midst of the the chemo and the surgery. Um, and uh, I want to ask you to, to continue to commit them to prayer. Um, and that's part of, you know, as Brian and I again have, have been talking, um, we, we've wanted to, to have Brian come back on sooner, but this is some of, you know, what we've discussed of letting people know Um uh, just how your family's doing. And, and this, uh, you know, I even asked, are, are you sure you want to share this kind of publicly? And as you just said, yeah, let's, let's get more people praying about this. And so that's part of why we're, we're having this, this podcast. Um, well, and also, you know, I want to, I want other people to see that, you know, there's, I, I see through what, what, what's happened with our family and losing Walker and, and how, people want to see that, that, that what they experience in life is not it. And they want, what I mean by see that is they want to see that other people can experience that because that's kind of how we operate in life is, is we, we live by, we see our peers and how do they respond. And if our peers, you know, if they're, if they're responding with, 
you know, hopelessness and despair, um, then that's typically how we respond, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I know that Courtney and I talked about this quite a bit with when we lost Walker. I mean, we talked to a lot of people. I talked to a lot of people that have lost, have lost kids and, and some of them, you know, after three, four, five years down the road still seemed hopeless. And, um, you know, I just told Courtney, I said, you know, I don't want, I don't want that. I don't think that's not, that's not the God we serve. Um, if, if that's it, then something's not, something's not right here. And, and we're not, I mean, that's not who God is. God is not a hopeless God. Um, he, he brings hope. He brings, um, brings us to a place that we can see that there is a future, even in the spite of, even in spite of difficult, really, really difficult situations. And so I guess what I want to make sure is that, you know, people that are, cause there's people out there that are in just as bad a situations as we're in. And, um, I want, I mean, it's not easy. <laughs> it's nothing about this is easy. I mean, I, so I don't want it to sound casual and how I'm, how I'm presenting this, but, um, we serve a God that, that created this universe, created the air we breathe. And if he could do that, he can bring us through this situation. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I appreciate your, um, candor of, um, uh, you know, clinging to the faith in God's goodness that, that you're, you're proclaiming. Um, but then also just saying, Hey, this isn't easy. <laughs> you know, we don't yeah. need, uh, people who just fake it and act like, yeah, th- this is, this is easy. This is, um, ups and downs. This is good days, bad days. Um, all of that. And I think that's important, uh, for Christians when we go through something like this to, um, to be vulnerable and to, to yeah. be transparent. Um, yeah, and, and so I, I'm grateful for that uh, testimony you're giving. Um, yeah, but well, Brian, I think about, um, you know, so I try to listen to what I would almost consider, you know, secular voices in our society, as well as, you know, being led in a Christian way to, to, to some Christian leaders. But I think about somebody like Jordan Peterson. You know, Jordan, he, he won't come out and say he believes that Jesus is who Jesus says he is, but he, you know, he, his response, I think it's a unique, I think it's a very honest answer though. What he says is, you know, my, my actions will dictate what I believe or how I live. You know, if, if you believe something, you act on that belief. And we, we, I mean, we enter the, the greatest example of that are the disciples. You know, you take Paul, you take, Matthew, Mark, Luke, you take all those guys, you know, that were there with Jesus, you know, their life actions demonstrated that they believed they they had a belief that was worth them giving their lives voluntarily for. Mm-hmm. And so I think as Christians, you know, we stand, we have an opportunity. Well, I think, I think our faith will be, will be revealed based on how we live. And so coming through this, I have to ask the question, Brian, what do you believe? Because you'll live out what you believe at the end of the day. And I want to live out what I believe. I know what I believe. I know that we believe that, that Christ is who he said he is, that he was crucified and resurrected, and that he lives today. We believe that. Well, if I believe that and I walk around with my head down all the time, that is contrary to what I say I believe. And so I want to encourage Christians specifically, because that's what society is looking at. They're saying, hey, Christian, you say you believe this, but you don't live anything like it. 
you live like you don't believe. And um, we need, we need, this is a spiritual war we're living in. And we need soldiers that believe it, not say they believe it. And um, I hope that uh, one day that, that God, Christ will say, well done, Brian. Well done. And I'm encouraging. I want to encourage everybody else that says they're a Christian to, to live it. And there's all kinds of ways to do that. I hope you don't have to encounter what we've had to encounter to to be called to face that. But uh, be prepared if you do. No, that's a good word, Brian. Um, and, and I also want to give you some, some time to update us um, just on the... Uh, the investigation as well. I know there's a lot that you cannot talk about publicly. And um, so whatever you can share, um, I know our, our listeners would be interested um, to, to hear for sure. Yeah. Specifically to the investigation. I mean, we know that um, the suspect is in Nigeria. Uh, we know that that's where they tracked him to, which there's a pretty strong, presence of those guys that are that are doing this coming out of nigeria um and you know the with the law enforcement continues to say that they're encouraged that they will make an arrest so to this point specifically to walker's case that's as much as is really we can discuss but relative to you know what's happening in this space from a law enforcement side of things We've got a lot of challenges to, to meet the volume of, of crime being committed, I guess is the best way that I can put it. Um, you know, the, the, the suspects that are really being investigated and tracked are those that are ending in either tremendous financial losses or death um, like Walker. Those are the only ones that, are, that they really, we really have the resources to track. And so... You know, over the past year, it's been so interesting that since we've become public um, and people can get have been able to get in touch with me, typically it's been through my Facebook page, just my personal Facebook page is how people have contacted me. But, you know, it's, it's so insane that because we're willing to talk about it and we've gone down this road, we're a safe place for either teenagers or parents to say, hey, I've got a son going through this or I am going through this and I'm a 16 year old boy or you name it. I mean, the contacts that we've made of people that have been extorted um, just like Walker was is I can't tell you how many it's been. Um, And so the problem is that those suspects that are perpetrating those crimes, law enforcement, either local law enforcement is typically not well equipped. They're typically not well equipped to handle um, the reports, uh, they're not very well equipped. And this, this is not to specific to any particular law enforcement agency, but I'll tell you that we're in Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, Starkville and Columbus is pretty well equipped. Um, our local community, we've got, they've got, uh, staff that can handle, um, tech criminals and which is unique from what I'm hearing across the country. I mean, we had a, had a call a couple weeks ago, a month or so ago from a kid and, he went he called his local police department and they said they'll have somebody out there Monday. I mean, this kid's going through it at the time, you know, he's trying to figure out how to, you know, what to do. And they have really nothing for him. Just say, hey, we'll come out there and file a report on Monday. And you know where that went, it went into a drawer and it's nothing's ever done. And so that mm-hmm. person that was responsible for that, for that act is still out there. And, and look, I'm not, I'm not being critical to, to law enforcement. I know they've got their hands full, but uh, we have to come up with an answer for that. Um, you know, from a 
and we have the ability, we just don't have the resources. And I, we've learned that with all the effort that they put into uh, Walker's case. I mean, this I've been so impressed with our FBI, um, so impressed with law enforcement and how they've rallied around us and committed to we are going to figure this out. Um, but it, it doesn't, it, it, it's very difficult to knock a dent in the volume of how many times this scheme is getting executed on, on teenagers um, by arresting 10 or 12 people a year, you know. Um, and so I think it's a challenge we're still facing as, as we go through. Yeah. And, and Brian, do you know, is this, uh, are the statistics on this extortion specifically, are they increasing? Are they seeing more cases of this? Any any word there? I don't have the answer in the last in the last few months. Uh, I know I know, you know the twenty twenty three was it was an increase uh, for that calendar year. Um, you know what we find what it seems like to me is that the number of at least I'm just this is just anecdotal evidence because it's just what I see and hear. But uh, vacation periods, whether it was Christmas vacation, summer vacation, spring break, any time that it seems like kids are home by themselves or home from school and got time on their hands, it's apparently um, those guys have a calendar of events and understand when our teens are going to be uh, most vulnerable. And that seems to be the, the times during the year where it happens the most. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer. I would have to believe that because it's become so, there's been so much um, media on it that in the past year that that's got to be helping some, um, but I'm just not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, and maybe this is um, kind of getting into some other information. I mean, you've you said you've been traveling around, speaking a lot. You've done mm-hmm. podcasts. Um, I know you're interacting with the FBI, and uh, when you came, kind of close to, to where I live and you were talking to a bunch of law enforcement. Um, I yeah. cannot remember the, the exact menu. Just what are some things you're learning? And um, as you said, the FBI has been great and they're continuing to learn in this. Um, just kind of the behind the scenes there. What, what are some things going on there? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the the name of the game, I guess would say behind the scenes is just trying to figure out ways to, to create more awareness. I mean, that's really their only answer today is, is, is awareness. And, uh, at the same time, you know the expectation that the bad guys are constantly innovating to try to to try to create more uh, revenue, and so you know AI has become a a pretty strong point of conversation in the past year. Um, you know we're just getting into the world where these guys are using it, but it's the 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 outcomes can be extremely scary whenever they can create voiceovers that sound just like a person's dad or girlfriend or husband or wife, um, you know, can create imagery that, that, you know, is so realistic that anybody would believe it. Um, those types of schemes, you know, there's a lot of concern over where that's going and, and what's going to happen when those things happen. So the, the reality is that, that without us all working in different sectors, I mean, you take, Law enforcement, they can't do, they can't really repel this type of activity without uh, cooperation from the tech companies. Uh, the tech companies are facing, you know, regulations, we hope. We're trying to get some things passed legislatively that will mandate that they put in some some, some provisions that protect kids. 
but you kind of got to look at it from their perspective. If they voluntarily do that and their competition don't, well, then they're in a situation where competitively they've just let down their shareholders. It's a pretty, it's a pretty complex problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say, you know, the behind the scenes is, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think there are ways that I would, there are situations that I would disagree with. Tech has known for a long time that these things cause harm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they've known, and many people in our, uh, many of our lawmakers have known as well. But because of the financial capacity of this industry, there's been a lot, there's not been a willingness to regulate it. Mm-hmm. Now, going forward, I believe we have enough um, enough support now that they're going to have to. I mean, there's too many negative consequences coming down the road that that we can't control. Um, yeah. So we're hopeful that 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 some of those things will change. But we're, we're not all on the same page, cooperating, recognizing the problems, and working towards a solution. Uh, no one agency can handle it by themselves. Yeah. And it it does in some ways it seems discouraging when you think of just the, the um the influence the the power the money behind some of these companies just make them seem invincible at the same time it does seem that culturally i mean from even on this podcast we talked about the u s surgeon general's report that came out last mm-hmm. um may uh Jonathan Haidt's book the anxious generation um is just highlighting you know, data research that's continuing to create this awareness where it's, it's, I think to the point where it cannot be ignored anymore, or either right to that point where um, things are going to start happening. And I mean, kind of along those lines as well, as you're talking about raising awareness, um, I know you said Fox Nation came to your house recently, and Mm -hmm. that there's maybe in March, uh, something they're airing. And so maybe just tell us a little bit about that as well. And um, yeah how people can, can keep a lookout for that. Yeah. I mean, we, so Fox nation contacted us, I don't know, it would have been probably October and, um, they're, they had done, they have done some other, another program on internet safety and the dangers there. And I think it was extremely well received. And so they wanted to go a step further and do like a three part series on online safety and, uh, and just a professional group of people, um, came to our home. were very, uh, sympathetic, uh, just man, just really wonderful people. Did a great job. Spent most of the day in our home. Um, really got to know them, and um, you know we're yeah we're expecting that to to air sometime in March. Not exactly sure um, their timeline, but that was the last conversation we had was was March. And uh, you know we see that there's a there's an appetite. Um, people want to know what they they, they want to understand you know, what the dangers are, you know, I, I, in a lot of the, a lot of, a lot of different settings where I speak, you know, I kind of use the analogy, you don't defend against something that you don't know about, you know, or something extremely unrealistic. Um, and that's where we were, you know, with Walker, we, we didn't know, uh, we didn't know that, I mean, we knew that there was possible, there were possibilities for some negative outcomes, but we didn't know that we would go to bed normal and our son would be gone the next morning. We didn't know that. We didn't know that was a real possibility. Um, and so realizing that trying to we see that the that the rest of the world once we started sounding this alarm and i'm not obviously i'm not we're not doing that all our own there's a lot of people out there that are having this conversation now 
But once it started to, to happen, it started bringing attention to larger media organizations to say that we need to be talking about this because uh, people want to hear about it. And, um, and so that's, we're thankful for that. We're thankful that, you know, we've been given that platform to, to, to obviously, um, Walker's life can mean more than just what happened in one night. I mean, we, the people that knew him knew what kind of kid he was, knew what kind of, uh, person he was. And, and, uh, we're able to share that with, with larger audiences. And that's, that's, uh, to our point earlier, you know, it almost brings some sense of, uh, meaning to this really difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, yeah, I applaud you again for just sounding the alarm and continuing to, to step into um, opportunities like that with, with Fox Nation, because that that is, it's difficult at the same time. And I know it's in, in some ways reliving it um, continually as you, as you do that. But I know that'll be a resource that many will be served well by. And again, that's that's in March. So people can mm-hmm. can be on the lookout for that. Um I know we're going to be wrapping this up before too long, but I'd love to to get into maybe some action items um, for for those who are listening. You know, as uh, people here, you know, they're hearing your story, they're they're listening to this interview, but it's kind of okay. What what can we do to help? And of course, we've talked about prayer and continue to to ask mm-hmm. people to pray. But what are some thoughts there of how people can help and how people can uh, get involved? Yeah, I think you know what we're the number one message that we're kind of proposing um, is just engage this this problem. I mean, at a at a at a very local, at, when I say local, in your home, um, you know, if you don't have kids at home, if you're a grandparent, you know, friend, you know, you've got somebody close to you that has kids, teenagers that are facing this problem, and and um, you know, starting to educate on the dangers, just as a simple, just understanding where our challenges are. I mean, the reality that anybody on this planet through that cell phone can reach a teenage boy or girl in their bedroom at night if they're alone. And, you know, you say, well, that's, that's, that's not really that big a deal. It, we didn't think it was a big deal either. Um, and it may not end, to situ- end in the situation like with Walker. It may end in a situation of somebody being groomed for trafficking. I mean, that's a, that's a sector that, man, you talk about make you want to throw up. Um, how many people are being trafficked, uh, either for labor or sexually in, in this world. And the United States is the hub for that. How can that be? How can we abide by while that happens in our backyards? Um, but it is happening and, you know, we're, we're conceding to the fact that, well, it's not our kids. It's not my kid. It's not my neighborhood. And it's just, that's just, we can't, we can't take that attitude. So, um, I mean, it's a lot easier to go to our basketball game tonight or go to a, you know, a neighborhood party or do whatever that's fun. Those are, those are fun things to do. And those are fun things that we go through life doing. But uh, we've got some real issues that we have to stand up to and address. And to start, so my point is to start at home and educate our kids where the dangers are. Uh, engage with technology. You know, hopefully set that expectation that oversight is not a bad thing. I'm using the word oversight because that's that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to train my kids how to how to use a dangerous tool to be productive with it. We want all the good technology gives, but we want to protect against the bad that it can bring. And uh that's that's tough. I mean that that's gonna that's that's a road that we've got to navigate and know the turns and twists uh before we take off heading down the road a hundred. And that's mm-hmm. where I that's kinda how I feel we did. I mean, we just kinda 
didn't understand there were some some massive obstacles in that road and we we um we didn't protect against it and so um you know other than that you know i think that um starting to look at these different legislative agendas and where you have influence reach out to reach out to your legislatures and you know let them know that you know we're we're promoting this kids online safety act and it's been a challenge to get it to a vote uh, this thing's got bipartisan support in the senate i mean you know, like over 50 co-sponsors now. How does a bill that's got that much support, how does anything have bipartisan support in this country anymore? That ought to tell us something. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, and so that that needs, to, that needs to pass, and we need to stop fussing over it. That's mm-hmm. We need to set the priority of our kids above the priority of donors and sponsors and financial aspects. Um, you know, we're working in Mississippi to try to get a bill passed, a local state bill for internet safety. Um, uh, working with Bart Williams on that, and we're hoping that's going to be something that's going to hit the legislature this legislature this spring. Um, you know, if you live in a state that doesn't have an an online safety bill relative to minors, start that. You know, don't don't wait like we did. I mean, we're we've got a platform because we lost our son. You don't have to lose your your kid to engage this process. And um, we just, we're asking people to engage. That's the best way I can put it. Mm -hmm. And you said that the kids online safety act. Yep. It's uh, it's the, the the two authors are Senator Blackburn and and, um, Blumenthal. So you've got two bipartisan, you've got bipartisan authors on the bill um, and it's supported uh, Mississippi. um, Both our senators are co-sponsors. Lots of states are not, but still, you got over fifty that are that are co-sponsors to a bill. I mean, that's that's pretty mm-hmm. strong. Yeah, well, I'll link to some of that in the show notes too, that people can can go okay. and, and check out. Now, I want to go back too, to something you said, just to put a, a finer point on that, because this is such a big issue, and, and like you said, I mean, across the world, literally, um, that, that you've heard from people dealing with this, and so it can seem just so um, helpless to, to deal with, but starting in the home, like you said, um, you know, parents that are listening to this, uh, th- this is one way you can fight what's going on, that, that you're educating, talking about this in the home, not being afraid to talk about some of these things that are sensitive to talk about, but then also to the youth workers who are listening to this. Um, many youth ministries utilize Instagram and other social media platforms for their ministry uh, be cautious with that. Um, think of ways in your youth ministry how you can have screen-free uh, retreats, screen-free times with students. Um, even talking about this in a large group with your youth ministry uh, could, could be an important thing. And, and youth workers that are out there, oftentimes you can highlight these things to the parents that might be clueless. And so taking those opportunities to just start small in your own home, in your own churches, uh, talking about this. And, and I know one of the related issues uh, we were talking about before is is pornography. And uh, Brian, I'd love for you to talk just a little bit about what you're uh, seeing, just the correlations there. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's several, um, boy, it's a, it's a big topic because, and how tech is contributing to that. So you, if you're a male and you have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, I'm sure of others, but um, how it seems, it doesn't seem, it's just, it just happens. I mean, there's, there's this, it's almost like a, uh, the industry throws, uh, if you're familiar with fishing, throws a buzz bait 
right out there, like every seven or eight, 10, 12 scrolls of the screen, there's something, there's some bait that gets pitched out there that's may not be completely, it's not pornography, but it's, but it's leaning in that direction, right? It's a partially dressed, I'm speaking from a male's perspective, a partially dressed woman, you know, she's mostly dressed, but she's posing in a way that's very revealing, you name it. Um, well, it's not a big deal. Is what we would say. That's just well, that's just what it is. I mean, uh, it's not until that leads to something a little more, and you slow down on that post. And now it's not one at once every twenty, you know, post. It's once every ten, and then you slow down a little more. And next thing you know, it's every third one. It looks like that. And the next thing you know, a teenage boy who is extremely sexually driven hormonally. Uh, next thing you know, he's in pornography because it's so accessible. Um, you know, and I look at the evolution of that. I mean, I'm 47 years old, graduated high school in 94, and um, probably observed my four, my first uh, first pornography probably when I was 10, 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere in that, in that neighborhood, right? It was in the form of a magazine or, you know, a VHS tape or something like that. And I'm just talking candid here. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. embarrassed. I mean, it's, I think that's part of the power of this of this activity is the, the 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 embarrassment of it at the same time the the you know nobody talks about it and so it becomes this real private sketchy scary issue that if somebody knows about the embarrassment is through the roof and that's where walker found himself i believe uh, but you go back to that time where you know a kid either had to have a friend that had it or had to you know, muster up the courage to go into a gas station and buy a magazine. Um, versus today, it is the most graphic, the most um, enhanced version of sex that we could even imagine at that time. Well, now it's in the in a teenage, sixteen-year-old boy's pocket, in the bathroom, in his bedroom, and anywhere he wants to have it. Okay, so. Um, I was of the of the opinion because I was ignorant um, that it would be very similar to the way I grew up in that uh, it, it could cause some some issues with your expectation of your wife, with your expectation of your girlfriend, uh, with your um, sex life in general. But that would be the end of it, and I did okay, so not a big deal. The problem is that those are the things that they're using to trap either teenage boys or teenage girls into all manner of problems, all manner of situations that could result in tragedy. Um, whether that's, you know, in this trafficking uh, world, whether that's in situations like Walker's, I believe that's, I mean, that was, there was pornography on Walker's phone. And if you'd asked me, I would have, I would have, uh, if you'd asked me before any of this, is Walker looking at pornography? I said, yeah, probably. I, I would imagine he is. Um, and, I should have taken that more seriously is where I'm, where I'm, where I'm coming from. Um, and if I would have, I think Walker just saw this as an extension of pornography. I think that opportunity to step into this trap, um, he didn't really see any different. And um, what he didn't know is that the bad guys had set a trap for him and he fell for it. And so I want to encourage, number one, I mean, you look at the statistics I had them pretty handy not long ago, but no one is immune from this statistic of how many people are looking at pornography. Um, whether we're talking about pastors, we're talking about Christians, we're talking about non-Christians, nobody's immune to it. And 
those statistics, when you bring them up, nobody wants to talk about it because most of us have or are in those statistics. And, um, I mean, the statistics doesn't lie. Math is math. And if we don't get real about that and address it, it is seriously affecting the relationships between males and females in our society, husbands and wives, um, their sex lives, their sex drive, uh, our, you know, families having kids, all those things are being affected. Mm-hmm. And the industry, we don't even know of that industry, what percentage of the people that are appearing in those in those uh, scenes, what percentage of those people are trafficked? Mm-hmm. What percentage of those people are in the drug trade? What percentage of those people are just a 17-year-old teenage girl that's been taken from her home? We have no idea because it's been, it's gone untouched for so long, untouched for so long. And um, that is a major factor, I believe, in where we go from here in terms of, of protecting our, our kids. And, and it's not just protecting them from what Walker ha- what happened to Walker, it's protecting them from things that are going to cause their, cause them difficulty in life and then making choices to recognize that this is a path I don't want to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, apology for, for talking about it. It's one of those uh, topics, like you said, many people shy away from it and they don't want to talk about it. And there's also those who, um, grow tired of talking about it because it's just such a constant battle and issue in our culture. And I think that that's part of what the evil one tries to do, just wear us down and get us to, to give up and, and not talk about it. And so again, parents listening to this, talk about this in your home. Uh, don't be embarrassed to talk about it. Um, get way through the awkwardness and just do it. Um, and I would say, you know, at younger and younger ages, be talking to your children about this and uh, youth workers in proper context, talk about it to your students and, and make sure that you do that in a wise way um, because this is a sensitive uh, subject. Um, but yeah, we, we've got to be talking about it. And um, Brian, I know we're, we're wrapping this up. Uh, why don't you, before we close out, uh, talk about Walker's mission a little bit, this uh, nonprofit that you've started. Yeah, so I mean, once we kind of started um, speaking last spring, I went ahead and formed uh, Walker's mission, and we're still trying to fill out exact fill out exactly where where we live in that space and what our main uh, what we can do to make a difference. Um, you know, up until now, what we've done is is tons of speaking engagements, and we've made some sweatshirts and t shirts and stuff like that just to continue to put put that that the topic in front of people um, of internet safety and. Uh, this this uh, this whole space. So um, we're still trying to figure out. Okay, what what can we do to make the most impact? You know, one of those things is you know we where people where do people see um, see this? You know, where are they going to observe what we're trying to the the message we're trying to spread? And so you know, the ideas are: do we need to be producing? Um, buying space on social media, warning of the dangers. You know, well, do we need to be uh, assisting law enforcement? You talked about all these kids that that are just they they encounter this crime of sex extortion and they don't have anywhere to turn. I mean, there there's some great assets. Uh, National Center for Exploited and Missing Children have got they've got a um, uh, a hotline that a kid can call at any point in time and that'll get them to somebody to talk to no matter what time day or night 24 hours a day we need to make sure we post that we need to make sure we're spreading that that needs to be a pretty consistent 
reminder on social media specifically. And we need tech companies to um, agree to that. You know, I mean, that that if you're if you're encountering a, a stress, a situation that is, is stressful enough that you would consider taking your life over, here's a number that you would call. I mean, they know that these kids are experiencing that on their platforms. They need to be promoting that number, and so wh- whether it's whether it's trying to to put pressure on those companies to do that or doing it ourselves, you know that, that, that if 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 a shoe company can buy space on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, then we can. Um, so we're at a point where hopefully we get through these um, these treatments for cancer, and we're going to bounce back and be right back as good as ever, and uh, we're going to be moving that forward. Uh, I was talking about Caroline; you know, she's really taking a leadership position in that with the sweatshirts and t-shirts and 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 posting things on Walker's mission. So follow that on Facebook and Instagram and just look for opportunities to support that. And I would encourage anybody that thought they had some way to contribute, whether that's through just idea, whether that's through um, resources, we need help with that, you know, with web development, with promotion, with all those things. And so uh, I know the audience has got a lot of resources um, we not we're not trying to you know you know where we're at. I mean we're not in this to make anything other than to make a difference in our society and hope that families don't have to deal with what we've had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Brian, did you say you have a website for that, or is that Instagram and Facebook only? Right now it's Instagram and Facebook. We'll have, should have a have a website up and going within the next you know month is what my expectation is. Okay, gotcha. I'll, I'll try to link to some information there, and just again applaud you for continue to, to just raise awareness and, and using uh, Walker's life to um, hopefully um, uh, spare many from uh, just all that you, you have had to endure, uh, but just applauding you for uh, continuing to, to do this. Um, I do hope that uh, we're able to have you back on um, maybe sometime later in the spring uh, with some updates and um, just again, encouraging our listeners to, to continue to pray for you and your family uh, in the midst of this season. But Brian, thanks again for, for coming on today. Yeah, I can't thank you guys enough for having us and um, continuing to pray for us and continuing uh, your friendship. Thank you for that.